What happens when two parent coaches, one a Christian and the other an agnostic Jew, sit down to talk about parenting? I'm Dina Thayer. And I'm Kira Dorian. Welcome to Raising Adults, a podcast about future-focused parenting. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Raising Adults. We are excited to be with you again today. And before we dive into our topic, we have a little bit of super fun housekeeping, not the least of which is that we have a YouTube channel up and running and live and all that good stuff. So if you prefer to listen to your podcast while watching a cute picture of our logo, you can definitely <laughs> do that. Or if you know somebody else who maybe listens to podcasts via YouTube, definitely direct them our way. We have a channel. You can subscribe. You can listen right there to our first season in its entirety and as far as we are into season two. So I would suggest subscribing now because there's also some fun stuff coming in season three, wouldn't you say? Yes, I would. Yes, I would. But we won't say much more than that. No, but just to talk season. So we're going to take a break at the end of May um, through the 4th of July, just because that's a time when everybody's wrapping up school. We'll be wrapping up school. And then we'll be back after Independence Day here in the States um, with season three. And we do have a few little fun, exciting things planned for season three. So I agree with Dina. I would recommend subscribing yeah. now. Just do it in advance. Yeah. And then we also wanted to share with you our attribute of the month for April. It is diligence. Diligence. It is diligence. Such an important one. Such an important one. Teaching our kids the value of working hard, of continuing to persevere, even when something is challenging. Um, and how do we as parents make sure we're modeling that well? Because sometimes that can be really tricky as a parent. Mm -hmm. How do we encourage it and foster it in our kids? What are some great resources? All of that's available in the Attribute of the Month. So if you haven't signed up already, you want to go to our website, futurefocusedparenting.com. It has been upgraded slightly. So we now have in our shop section, if you hover, there's hovering now, if you hover over the word shop, There'll be a drop-down menu, and the first thing on there is the attribute of the month. So you can click on that. Sign up is totally free. Um, it's We ask for your email and a couple little pieces of information just so we get a sense of who's subscribing, but we don't share it with anyone. So that's a great place to go. And you were saying earlier that diligence is such a good one for this month. Yeah, it's great timing because as we get into spring and the weather gets nice and kids of all ages know that summer is looming and vacation is coming it's easy to kind of flag in their work ethic. And so I think diligence is a good one for in the spring as we're kind of on the home stretch of the school year to encourage our kids to persevere, continue to work hard, and continue to give their best effort in these final weeks. Yeah, absolutely. And then along the lines of diligence, which is pretty cool, and linking to our upgraded website, we now have, if you hover again on shop, one of the things on that drop-down menu is a tab called free resources. And we were approached by education.com Com. Some of you have probably heard of it and are using it already. I know I was. So when they wrote to us, I was so excited because I'm a big fan. Um, education.com has oh, just so many resources for parents who are passionate about education for their kids, are wanting to supplement at home or get going early maybe if they sense that their kiddo wants that before school has started. I used it when my kids were learning to read. We did a lot of sight word stuff. And you can download. There's worksheets. There's board games you can print out. All of these things are catered to helping them with reading and math and all sorts of things, all ages. And then they're also seasonal, which is really cool. So like one, the worksheet will have a snowman on it for the winter and a heart on it for February. So I had used them in the past. They reached out to us and offered our listeners a free worksheet, which is so cool. So, so cool. that is in the free resources section of our web 
website. So be sure to check it out. It's a word search. So it's going to be probably for kids around my kids' age, mm-hmm. um, readers, early readers. Super fun. It's got the worksheet there. And then you can also download, download the, the key. answer key, yeah. which is helpful you know, as Because even adults might want to know where the words are. I'm case. terrible at words. Otherwise, you can't help your people very well, can you? Right, exactly. So be sure to check that out. That's just an amazing thing that they sent our way. Yeah, that was really awesome of education.com to provide that. So look into it. And the great thing is when you're hovering there, all those things are next door to each other. So get in on the attribute of the month. Get your free resources. There'll yeah. be more to come. Yeah. And then, you know, while you're there, you could click on the merchandise section and buy, a buy our books. Yeah, I mean, why not? Just saying. Just saying. I told Dina today that one of my friends wants us to make a mug that says, I have a question on it. <laughs> so yes. we're talking about putting that in the merchandise section. Yes, you can buy Kira. <laughs> And then we'll have and a drink de- your coffee out of it. And her. then we'll have a Dina mug that says poop stain in a pickle tree. So Oh, perfect. Yeah, I think it's going to be great. <laughs> so what are we talking about today? We are talking about consumerism. How do we parent around that one? I mean, it's everywhere in our society, right? This drive to just get more, have more. And so we wanted to address that because that's a big thing. And you can start really young just imparting your family values around that. Make sure you're doing that. Oh, my goodness. So do you have a why around this, Kira? Oh, I sure do. I mean, I've talked before on this podcast about the fact that I really believe that happiness is comes from gratitude. And so if we are, have a consumerist mindset, we just aren't in gratitude. That's They can't really coexist. You, Not can't, very be, well. you can't be grateful for what you have and wanting more at the exact same time. That is not to say that there's anything wrong with wanting more. I'm not opposed to people wanting more out of their life. I'm not opposed to people really wanting that sweater or whatever it is. But I think we we can get into this mentality in our modern society of keeping up with the Joneses more, more, more. And we lose our appreciation then for what we already have. So it was very important to me that that our children never feel like they have so much that they take it for granted, um, partly because I think that's just inconsiderate and not a healthy way of viewing the world, especially when you have enough. You know, we in the States, we are like the top 1% of the population in terms of what we have. So I didn't want them to be in any way jaded or, Mm -hmm. you know, unclear about how lucky they were. But then I also think that that then leads to how do we feel happy and satisfied if we keep being told, hey, you need these sunglasses to be happy. Hey, you need this sweater to be happy. Hey, you need this car to be happy. Then we're never going to actually stop and feel happy. And I was really, really concerned about that. Yeah, I love all of that. It makes perfect sense. And I actually would even go so far as to say, we have a friend who says this, and I love it, that it's actually our job or part of our job to create some scarcity for Mm -hmm. our kids. Because if they do think everything is just an abundance and as soon as I want, I get that can really create a problem. So I completely agree. Part of my why was that piece too. You really can't be content if instead of being thankful for what you just got, you're like, on to the next. Now I want this. And you're always looking at what's still lacking instead of look how much I already have. So that was a huge deal to me. But I also have to own that part of my desire to parent away from consumerism is because of my own tendencies toward minimalistic and just I'm just not a fan of clutter and so for me literally things I'm not really interested so I think some of it is personality but also there's a philosophical piece to it if that makes sense yeah that makes a lot of sense well I mean clutter 
we've talked about this before. A cluttered house, in my opinion, creates a cluttered mind. So if, you know, minimalism is really in right now. Everyone is Marie Kondoing yes. their house, right? I heard apparently as I was also Marie Kondoing my house, I'm going to own it. Of course, I'm, I'm in the midst of trying to do it too. But apparently the um, charity shops are like overrun at the moment oh, since really? her Netflix show came out. Yeah. Um, Everyone's giving away their things that don't spark joy. Right. Exactly. But what's what blows my mind, and I think living in England maybe for a while contributes to my feelings about this, but the, the concept of a storage unit, like, please don't what? get me started. <laughs> I mean, that just was, no one, no one has that in England. I mean, maybe they do, but like, it's just, it's mind boggling to me that we're going to pay to store stuff that we don't even know is there. Um, and so I wouldn't call myself a minimalist by any means, but I, I remember our old house didn't have a garage, and I loved that because it meant I couldn't store anything. Mm-hmm. It was like I just had to use the storage space that was in my house. And um, so I think there's something kind of gluttonous um, about the amount that we accumulate unnecessarily. And then, look, we just throw it all away. It actually wasn't of a value at all, and that's where our money went, our energy went, Um so yeah, I was just it was it was a it was a biggie. It was a biggie. And I think also again living in England, coming from a place where things are smaller, people have less stuff. Um moving here, we just really wanted to bring some of that over with us to our kids and not have them get caught up in honestly what is a American mm-hmm. lifestyle. It is pretty unique to our culture and I I truly meant it. I I can't get started on the storage units or I won't get off the soapbox. But it really is crazy to me that we would pay to store things that we're clearly not even using regularly enough to have them on hand. So this is a big one for me. And I also talk to my kids a lot about how if you own so much, eventually you're not owning your stuff. Your stuff is owning you. Because what are people doing? Houses are a great example often people become house poor. They buy this palatial house to impress their friends, but they're working 60, 70 hours a week just to pay for the house that they're never in and enjoying. And this is craziness to me. And I just wanted to impart to my kids that there is a better way and that more isn't necessarily better. Sometimes less is actually better and better for your inside. You might not have the most impressive facade on the outside, but is that really what matters? Are we going to be in that rat race and working just to impress other people? Or are we going to be able to be content and have that joy? Because I think that is the more lasting of the two by far. Yep. I totally agree. So let's talk hows. And, you know, I think I want to start by actually sharing something that's not my how, but the a friend of mine actually inspired this episode, and it's what made me say, hey, we should do consumerism. And you were like, yes, I love that topic. Um, so my friend Karin was telling me that they did something really interesting at Christmas this year, and it just ties in so beautifully to what we talk about in terms of family values that I want to start by sharing this because I love this idea, and I think it just sets the tone for, honestly, how we should consume so they have a daughter who is same age as my kids. So at, this, at Christmas, she was, I think, seven, six and a half, seven. And, you know, she's a little kid. She wanted this. She wanted that. And they just decided they didn't like how this was going. And so they said to her, we want you to sit down and come up with your top five values. And they talked to her about what is a value and how do we define a value? And they helped her work through what are the things that matter to you? And she came up with things like spending time with her family, 
travel, right? Just some things that were important to her. And then they said, okay, your Christmas list, everything on your Christmas list has to match one of your values. And if it doesn't match a value, it can't go on your list. And isn't that like it literally I have goosebumps just telling it. Um, So then when they sent out the list to the family, you know, they said we really are trying to teach values and we're trying to teach about priorities and, and having things in our lives and in our homes that support our value system. And so our daughter has made this list and we really ask that you stick to this list so that she can learn the value of purchasing and owning things that match her values. I mean, like. Wow. Mind blowing. And you know what? This is going to blow your mind. But an LOL doll did not match any of her values, no matter how hard she tried. Fascinating. <laughs> she couldn't make Amazing it work. Amazing how that works. Right. So I think it, I mean, talk about a future focused mentality. So I love that. And I will dovetail that by saying that it was one of the things we did from the get go was around gifts. It was one of our biggest hows. I did not allow gifts at birthday parties until they were six. I felt like, first of all, when they're tiny, they don't even know. Mm-mm. But to set a precedent that, hey, you turned whatever age you turned, here's a, a pile of presents. presents. Right. That this is normal, that this is the normal amount of stuff that you're going to receive for a celebration just felt gross to me. We have a very big social network. So I also wanted to be able to like gather our community together and not end up with 100 gifts. So no gifts. And I will say, we got a lot of pushback. People did not like that. Wonderfully, our family was always on board. Everybody was really cool. That's helpful. Yeah, that was really helpful. But we had some friends who were just like really upset about it and kind of like thought that maybe I was judging them for making a different choice, which is its own thing. Um, But I just, no matter how many times I reconsidered, because every year until they were six, I would reconsider. I'd be like, oh, am I making the wrong choice? You know, And then every single year they would get their present from us and their present from each of their grandparents and from their aunts. And they had like six presents. And every year I was like, this was exactly right. They got what they really wanted. They enjoyed their presents. My kids have always been great at like opening and truly just spending time with the present before they even move on to the next one because there were only six of them. Mm-hmm. They couldn't race through it. There wasn't, an, you know, an unlimited amount of presents yet to come. And then we did the same around Christmas. So we do the something something you want, something you need, something to wear, something to read. And we actually have the grandparents and the family participate in that. So like the grandparents will buy the thing to wear and we'll buy the thing to read and just really minimalizing, minimalizing what is the expectation of what should be received. And also what's the expectation on our family to give? I can't spend a thousand dollars at Christmas time. That's you know, that just doesn't work with mm. our family values. Mm-hmm. So for me, gift giving was a, one of the ways that we really showed here's our family value system and look at our behavior matching that family value system. Absolutely. Gifts was a big one for us, too. One of the things and actually my parents do it. I've done it. My sister has adopted it is we've really made Christmas and birthdays about children. So we don't all get into this crazy exchanging gifts with your 47 cousins. And I mean, it would be I I don't even know what it would be. It would be such a circus. And so it's really like, yeah, you do kind of age out of this part because you're an adult. Let's let it be fun for these little guys. And we don't all need to be getting caught up in that. So we usually play one of those draw a number games, but then you only bring one gift to the family party. I mean, it's great. 
So that's a huge area, I think, where you can kind of start and get a good foothold on this whole consumerism thing is with gifts. But there are other aspects of it, too, for sure. And I think it's important to talk to our kids about not only what matters. I mean, that was some future focused parenting genius, but also about what does it say when we're constantly what's next, what's next, what what's next? Does it what does it say even about us? And so those are important conversations to be having. And I'm using conversations, plural, on purpose. It's not a one time, hey, just so you know, it's important in our family. We're not like letting this with our belongings. It's going to be an ongoing thing. And I'm so excited. I told Kira even before we started recording <laughs> because I've been waiting almost two full seasons to have a perfect opportunity to talk about where this hits me in the heart. And I am actually planning in just three years to downsize hard. I'm looking into building a tiny house. And this is part of why. To have less, to be forced to live with less. I love all the other things about it too, like the smaller footprint. It's great for the environment, the financial freedom of not having a mortgage because you can build a whole house for $50,000. I mean, I just love everything about it. But this is a big one for me. I'm not a huge fan of owning a bunch of stuff. And yes, I'm admitting that's a that's a preference thing, but I also tie it to a value thing. I don't want my stuff to own me and I don't want to be working so hard just to maintain my belongings. I want to do work that I love and care about like this, <laughs> like this podcast, and then just enjoy the few things I do have. And so I am just beyond excited to go tiny. My husband less so. <laughs> He's very concerned. He loves you so much. Oh my goodness. <laughs> he loves me. And I'm such a researcher. So we stayed in a tiny house in advance to make sure we could cope. And actually that was super helpful. He got to like figure out some things that were like, that's a hard no. And I'll even admit, I love the environment, but the composting toilet was a no from me. So <laughs> I won't be doing that. But no, seriously, this is this is just exciting to me to get to talk about this because here's where I think it goes underneath is we've got to look at the emotions. When you're gathering more and more stuff, where's the hole? You've got to be looking for that. What hole are you trying to fill with all these belongings? So this is actually an important emotional health question, I think. Mm -hmm. It's not just about getting a new car. Yeah, 100%. And I think that this is one of those places where the modeling is so important. And I remember... Um, a really good friend of mine who's our family physician and is a family friend and she's amazing. She's my like, what would Martine do? You know, like I love her. Um, I remember when her kids were small, she used to, you know, she'd go grocery shopping or she'd go to Target and she said she became aware that to their little brains, they were just watching her put stuff in the cart. They couldn't differentiate between what she needed and what she wanted. And so she would specifically go around and pick up like a dress and be like, oh, that's pretty. I don't need that today and put it back so that they watched her not only gathering things that they needed, but waiting on things that they wanted or taking the time to say, nope, you know what, that doesn't, I don't need that today and putting it back. And I thought that was really smart. So I stole it and I totally, <laughs> totally do that with my kids. And, and I think it comes back to that value system. You know, we may have the money for something that they want, but I am not going to just go run out and buy it for them. And then also looking at the donating piece. So for me, donating has this like twofold I don't know, side effect. Because one, yes, you're teaching giving, right? You're teaching 
there's maybe someone who would enjoy this more who can't buy it new. So we want to donate and make sure that it's available to them because it's something maybe you're not using. But it's also been a really great opportunity to talk about why aren't we using that? Mm. Why did we buy that if we weren't going to use that? And a big difference between, wow, here's this, you know, I don't know, Tigger costume that you loved and you played with every single day. Now you've outgrown it and it's time to donate it versus, wow, here's this stuffy that you bought on a whim that actually wasn't meaningful. And now we're just donating it. Like, how does that feel? What's the difference there? Well, and what you're catching there is the ability to maybe next time be proactive and preventative rather than reactive and diagnostic, which we talk about all the time, is training them to think through purchases too. Well, is this really going to be meaningful? Am I going to use it? As they're giving away something and going, wow, that maybe wasn't the best choice. And we get a little window into their minds, but also an opportunity to maybe do it different next time. And so I'm totally fired because I rabbit trailed into tiny house land, which is so easy for me to do. And I did want to give some practical hows. So this is funny because I just did this this week with my son and he does not enjoy it. But we literally do go by the policy of if you haven't used it in a year, we have to really think about whether we keep it. And the reason I use a year is because some things are seasonal. I don't throw away my my stuff for Christmas because I do use it faithfully every year. But it's only once a year, but we keep it. So we look at things like, have you used it in a year? And I do require my bio children anyway to once a year purge their room. So we go through every drawer in the dresser and the whole nightstand and all the Lego sets and just really talk through, do you still want this? Do you still use it? Our one exception to the one-year rule, I will say, is sentimental things, and both of my kids do have a hope chest. So there might just be something that's just super special. They both have their very first onesie that I ever bought them, things like that. And we're not going to get rid of that because we haven't used it in a year. You aren't fitting into that anytime soon. So it's, I do think there has to be room for just those special treasures. And like my son's an actor, and he loves to have the playbills from his shows. And th- I mean, that's fine. There's got to be some space for that. I even have some special sentimental things. But otherwise, if we really aren't using something, we got to be thinking about why are we just storing it then? Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. One of the things I did when mine were tiny was uh, avoided commercials at all costs. I really, I picked, I picked platforms if they were watching shows that were commercial free. Um, you know, we'd we'd show up at the movies after the. <laughs> After the initial commercial stuff. So smart. And yeah, because I think they get these messages inundated. I see it especially now they're elementary school age because their friends have things and they want what their friends have. And for us, we just always bring it back to the family values. You know, it's not within our family value system to spend money on that. Or, you know, it's not within our family value system to spend that much money on that. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's kind of ex- – that's a lot of money. I don't I don't really think that's in our, our value system to spend that much on on this particular item. One of the things we struggle with, though, is I think, and I, I think I've said this before, but, uh, you know, the where our kids' birthday and Christmas falls out, they just always have money. They just always have money. And so it's very tricky to create that scarcity, mm-hmm. you know, and and so we, we've cut out allowance altogether because it's like, well, you don't need more. You have plenty. And it's not a ton of money, but I think that, you know, they've been taught to spread it out. They've been taught to think carefully. So really, they can kind of make their money stretch from one holiday to the next, um, which is great, except that there's no feeling of scarcity or how do I save up. And so there have been times where we've said, you know, well, if you'd like that, that's more than you have in your wallet. Um, you'd be welcome to pick up some extra chores. And we have a list on the, you know, on the fridge of things that they can do to pick up some extra money. And you can work toward getting that thing. But again, not 
the teaching the delayed gratification instead of I want it now I'm gonna buy it now mm-hmm. and then they don't use you as a credit card which I've talked about before mm-hmm. too like don't buy it till you actually have the money mm-hmm. and sometimes when they know they have to work for it and wait it can even change their mind about how much they want it so that cooling off period is really critical but I really love what you said about the commercials because that's where I think a lot of the discontent is created. I always think of that book, The Berenstain Bears Get the Gimmies. Yeah. And that's kind of what happens. They get the gimmies. Like, oh, that looks cool. Oh, but that looks cool. Oh, I got to have that. And to just keep them from even seeing that. Oh, my goodness. You're so smart. And you made me think of something because another one of my house when my children were younger is we purposely had less toys overall, but I rotated their toys. So quarterly, every three months, we got out different stuff. And to them, it was like they had new things all over again. But it meant I didn't have a heap of things. We just brought out different ones at different times. And it kept them entertained. I mean, years I did that. And it was great. And they would even get so happy to see, you know, old, quote, old friends, toys they hadn't seen in a while. Oh, I love this. And they'd be happy to see it all over again instead of it ending up gathering dust because in the vast array of all the toys, some of those ones got forgotten. So it was really helpful. I love that. That's such a good idea to rotate the toys. That's so smart. You're so smart. It was sneaky. I had them (laughs) hidden way up in a closet. (laughs) We have talked about, I'm not sure if you guys have done this, but we've also talked about buying local um, and consumerism in terms of actually choosing where you consume Mm. from. Um, And so I remember Reese had this... um, this little book that he wanted to get. It was like a Star Wars scene maker, of course. And he could like <laughs> make a diorama of these different scenes from Star Wars. And he could buy it on Amazon for $17. Or he could buy it at our local mom and pop bookstore for $25. So there was an $8 difference. Oh. And it really prompted a conversation, which we'd had before. So, it, you know, I mean, like like you say, it's conversations. This comes up a lot in our family because we do prefer to buy local, though I will be honest, I buy from Amazon a lot. And for us, technically, Amazon is local. <laughs> but, you know, um, but it prompted this conversation about, you know, okay, so you can buy, you can spend less money and be, you know, quote unquote, smarter with your money. Um and buy from this big corporation that's not as impacted by you spending your money with them. Or you can go to this bookstore that offers story time where we spend a lot of our time, you know, that is local and run by someone local. And when you buy a book from them, you are contributing to someone in our community, um, keeping their business going. So it's up to you which one would you like to choose. And I and I don't know that there's always a right answer there. Some sometimes you're going to want to buy local, sometimes mm-hmm. for your own financial security you're going to need to make the to choice. Do the other, yeah. I think both are both are okay, but that particular time he decided to buy local. And when he bought the book at the counter, he said, "I chose to buy local. This was cheaper on Amazon." <laughs> And the person behind the desk was like, well, that's really great. Thank you. But I think that's part of the consumer discussion, too. Do you get your fruit from a local farmer? You know, what can we do back to that footprint you were talking about? What can we do to lower our footprint and also be teaching our children about that concept? How does your spending affect local business? We have an amazing toy store that is literally walking distance from our house, Um And they offer all these free events. It's run by two people who live in our community. Mm. And the toys are more expensive there, without question. But we will often go and shop there to support our local community. Well, and it's different when the kids can actually see that they're helping a real person. It's not behind the screen of online shopping. So I think that really brings it home in a different way. Like, this is an actual person 
and an organization you're helping to support. I think it even can go to your values of where do you want your money in general going? Are you supporting big business or would you support this local shop and not want to see them go out of business because they help you and they provide things that you really enjoy. So I love that you do that. That's really smart. And I think it's cute that Reese announced it. Oh, yes. He announced he announced it. And then the last thing I want to say, um, and then I'll be done with my stuff and, and see if you have more to add. So the last thing that I want to say, um, and then my sort of hows will be pretty much wrapped up, is um, I've kind of had an a unspoken rule in my mind that I would only care about the brands or the newness as they started to. So I wasn't setting a precedent that things have to be new. Mm -hmm. Once they are going to reach a point where they're going to prefer to have new clothes and we can afford to buy new clothes and we will buy them new clothes. But they haven't hit that point yet. So we get a ton of hand-me-downs. Like we are not afraid to take a hand-me-down. We are not afraid to shop at Goodwill, right? And it's because right now they don't care about that. So I'm meeting them where they are. As they get older and they start to care, that's going to change our conversations. But same with toys or, you know, when they weren't, when they were tiny and they just didn't even think to ask for that stuff, I wasn't encouraging that kind of thinking. As they grew into it, it forced other conversations. But I think that can be really helpful too. If, If your kids don't care if their shoes are new, maybe they don't need brand new shoes. If they don't care if their bike is new, maybe they don't need a brand new bike. And you can widen the scope of their expectation that some things I get as hand-me-downs, some things I buy secondhand, and some things I buy new. Mm -hmm. And that's sort of what our kids have seen us do. Yeah, that's really smart. My kids are big fans of consignment and stuff. So it it's a it's a big one because this is the modeling part. If you're the one caring about the brand name and whatever, mm, maybe you need to take a look at that. Like have some hard questions for yourself. Another thing that we did that's on this that I just wanted to mention, and then I've got a quote for us, is that I actually didn't allow brand names that were out in front, like a big sweatshirt that with a name of a store on it. And what I told my kids is there's no reason for us to pay to do their advertising for them. That's not in our family values. They can they have an advertising budget. They can buy a commercial or a billboard. We're not going to do that for them. So it doesn't mean you can't have that brand on your tag in the back by your neck, but we're not announcing that. And so we just set that precedent really early that we weren't going to be doing that. I love that. I love that on so many levels because what you've done there is set them up to never feel like they have to announce themselves as owning this brand. So not only are they not feeling like they have to announce themselves, like, look at me, I'm wearing this, but how then needing to announce that affects their self-esteem. So when you teach kids, ugh, sorry, I'm like, like no, it has, up on my it has a lot of layers. And there's like music playing in my ears, but it's <laughs> so true because it's this feeling of when you teach a child, hey, you want to show off that you're driving this car or show off that you're wearing this brand and that's going to make you feel good enough. When you're modeling that and then allowing that, what are you doing to their Mm self-esteem? As opposed to saying, it doesn't matter what that brand is. If you like the feel of that brand, wear that brand. That's great. But you don't need to announce to anyone that you're good enough. Mm -hmm. You are good enough on your own. Yes, with a totally plain t-shirt, you're good enough and I love you and you're a great person. Like we've got to be speaking those kind of things into our kids and not letting it be about the externals because again then you're working to please other people, right? So the last thing I was going to say is just don't be afraid to call out when this is starting to go sideways either. I actually right now for one of my children don't buy them clothes. 
I'm not going to say who, but the clothes started to be a little bit of an issue. They would want more, but then only wear the same things over and over. And so then the new clothes that we just bought weren't even getting used. And so this particular child is welcome to ask for other things when a birthday comes or Christmas comes, but I'm not participating in the wardrobe anymore. And feel free to set those lines as a parent and draw those boundaries because if you see a place where consumerism is happening and things aren't being used well and they're not stewarding those belongings well, it is okay to, to cut that off or it might not even be that exact example, but it's okay to put boundaries up around, hey, I'm seeing this with your spending or I'm seeing this with this collection that's growing but is just sitting on your windowsill. So for me personally, I'm not going to be buying that anymore. You're welcome to ask for other things. And so just don't be afraid of that, especially if it matches your family values. That's imparting your values to your children. Yes. And Before I'm, you give the quotes. Okay. Because what like more I amazingness said, do you like have? Like I said, I feel, well, I don't have amazingness, but I feel like what happens is our listeners, they listen to the quote and then they hear me go into admin land. Oh, yeah, land. yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to go into admin land first. first. That's right, folks. So I'm here to remind you that if you haven't liked, reviewed, and rated our podcast, please do. And please follow us on Instagram and Facebook. We have two handles now, Raising Adults Podcast and Future Focused Parenting. Okay, Dina. Take it away. today? Well, this I talked about earlier when you have to look at what holes you're filling. So this quote is from Caroline Knapp. I love it. Consumerism thrives on emotional voids. Yes, it does. So if you have questions, if you have an idea for a topic like my friend Karen, if you want to just write to us and let us know how much you like our podcast, we love all those things. So feel we free respond to, to that. We do. We, we pay attention we to that. We reply. We're very good on email. So feel free to email us info at futurefocusedparenting.com. Raising Adults is produced by Kira Dorian and Dina Thayer and recorded in my laundry room. Music by Seattle band Hannah Lee. Thanks for listening.